If you'll turn to your Bibles, we are working through Ephesians in the evening service. We're going quite slowly. We might might speed up a little bit. But uh, this evening, we're working with the latter part of verse 9 and verse 10. I'm going to be reading uh, for context, beginning with verse 3. So Ephesians 1, 3, and I'll read through verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. As we turn our attention to this passage, I will remind you that the focus of the passage has been in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a typical blessing from the scripture, uh, where you're blessing God, and then you bless him for something. There's a reason why you're blessing him. In our passage, we have already expressed earlier three things. For example, he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's the first one. And then you have he chose us in him, etc. So we've had the three reasons expressed, and now Paul is expanding on this. So what we're dealing with in verses 9 through 10 tonight, this afternoon, whenever we are, uh, we're dealing with uh, an expansion really on God and what he's up to in Christ. Really, uh, what makes this blessing so profound and makes our uh, praise of him have an added depth to it because we know who he is and what he's doing uh, and his grand design that he has revealed in Christ. Uh, And in, in essence, brothers and sisters, Here's, here's the one thing that I uh, am going to say uh, today about this passage. Uh, the background of this is I, I first wrote notes on Ephesians in pencil in 1980 something. Uh, and then I've written a short thing in a study Bible in Ephesians, and I wrote a long commentary in Ephesians. Um, I've taught Ephesians. I've done, spent a lot of time in Ephesians over the course of 40-plus years of work. And it wasn't until I started working with this passage again, I say to my shame, and also just to revel in the fact that the Word of God is so rich, I was speechless. I was honestly speechless when I looked at what he says here. I couldn't believe what he says. 
he says that all creation centers on Christ Jesus. What you're dealing with in the Lord Jesus Christ is the center of all reality. He it is who's at the center of the universe. And that's what Paul's telling us here. And, this is, and now you, and once you say Jesus Christ, you're talking about a human being. He's the Son of God incarnate. He's divine and human at the same time. But don't forget he's human. And he's the center of everything. That's who we're dealing with. And I don't know how to express it. To tell you the truth, the best way I can express it is to simply state and paraphrase what Paul tells us because it's so profound and it's so important for us to know. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of who Jesus Christ is and what he represents to us. So he's the center of everything. And I I couldn't help but think about our passage this morning from Matthew. My child, your sins are forgiven. And they're looking around going, just who is this guy? He calms the wind and the waves. And And the question is, who is this guy? The wind and the waves respond to him. Oh, he's the center of all creation. He's the one that God has placed in the middle of everything. He's the one who holds everything together. It all makes sense in him. It all holds together in him. And by his word of power, paraphrasing Hebrews 1 now, he holds all things together. He upholds them all and brings them along through his working. That's who we're dealing with. So, who is this man whom God has given such authority in men to forgive sins? This is who we're dealing with. So, let's look at our text in uh, verse 9 through 10. But I'd like to first just untangle things. Uh, And it opens really in verse 9 with which he purposed in Christ. We're kind of in the middle of things because we're chopping it up into these little segments that are expansion on what Paul is saying about God's purpose and Christ. We're taking it very slowly, so I'm sorry if it's, you know, seems kind of abrupt, but it does flow out of what's gone before because this is a little expansion and we're focusing on something that doesn't have its own unity. It has unity, but it doesn't have any independence from the rest of the context. So he's expanding on God's will and his purpose. So verse 9, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So that's what we're dealing with here. Um, And our text really, if I were making verse numbers, and they didn't give me that assignment, even though the guy who did it in 1551 was a guy named Steve Robert Etienne, so Steve in French. (laughs) He made the verse numbers because he was writing a concordance to the Bible and he wanted to make a reference to the verses. 
So that's why we have verse numbers. This publisher made a concordance to the Bible. So because of that, because my name's Steve, I'm going to create a new verse division right in the middle of verse 9, okay? So think of which he set forth in Christ as the new beginning of verse 10. And uh, here's why. Our ESV doesn't make it clear, but verse 11 actually opens the same way with which. It has this, they changed a little bit, but it also says which, and there's a parallelism here. So it's sort of bounded by this. So here's, here's despite all that, here's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with God's good pleasure. And once you say God's good pleasure, you're talking about his will, what he desires, what he has purposed. And God's will always takes place. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We're not saying it won't happen. We're saying, may it happen soon. Because it will be done. And he always has his, only his holy will takes place. But we want his good will to come in the sense of redeeming us from this world. Here, God's purpose and intent took place. Then you have in verse 10, it's rendered here as a plan for the fullness of time. This is where the title of our message comes from. The word plan here is the same word for administration used elsewhere. It's for the administration of all ages. It's to administer all ages. It actually appears elsewhere in uh, Ephesians 3. Paul says that he has been given an administration for the gospel. And by administration we mean is how is God going to work his plan out in the world? Well, he administers it. He, it's Administration is, is how you implement a plan, how you work it out and bring it to pass in concrete ways. And here is what he's talking about. Uh, he's, his good purpose is set forth in Christ to administer the fullness of times. Now, this fullness of times is the fullness of all eras. This is the seasons and times of all of this age. It's the fullness of all times. And you live in the time of the fullness of time. It's another way to say the time is ripe. It's ripe for the harvest. It's ripe for God to bring this creation to its designed end. And when that takes place, he will consummate it immediately with the second coming of Christ. And you live on the edge of that. You, you think, yeah, well, it's 2,000 years ago Christ came and been waiting all this time. It's only been two days. You know, Peter says that, right? To the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. And he says that in the context of don't be impatient. It's only been two days for you and me since the Lord Jesus came. It's 2,000 years. It's only two days. 
And he's waiting because the fullness, it hasn't reached its full purpose yet. And, and not the least of it is, he still has people in, in many cities that he must bring in. He still has a purpose for this world. He still is working out his good pleasure for extending his grace to the lost in this age. As long as we're here, and as long as this world endures, there's hope for our neighbors. Because once he comes, that's cutting off all hope. Then he brings in final judgment. And then that's the end. And you live on the precipice of that. 1 John 2.18. Little children, this is the last hour. You've heard that an Antichrist is coming. Even now, there are many Antichrists in the world. Therefore, this is the last hour. Hebrews 1.2. In the last of these days, in these last days, God sent forth his Son, spoken to us in the Son. These are the last days. In Hebrews 9, he talks about these being the consummation of the ages. You live on the precipice of the second coming. It can come today. Maranatha means, let that be today. And it might. Before I'm finished, he might come. I can't tell you when he's coming. May that happen. But until then, you still live on the precipice of the second coming. Because what remains is God's purpose to sum up everything in Christ. Now, in our text, in verse uh, 10 here, beginning, I beg your pardon, the end of verse 9, which he set forth in Christ, we're used to reading the word Christ as a name, the name of Jesus. So we say Jesus Christ. And we think of that as a name. In the early days, particularly in scriptures, uh, scripture times, it's, it really doesn't sound like a name yet. It sounds like a title. And it, it's the title Messiah. It's a royal title. It's like saying King Jesus. You know, Christ Jesus sounds like, in this day, it sounds like Jesus King. Christ is a royal title. Furthermore, in our text, at the end of verse 9, it actually says, in the Christ. The word the is in there. And so you want to see that as in the Messiah. So God has a plan for the administration of all ages that's wrapped up in the Messiah, in this human son of David, who is his incarnate son. That's, that's the center of God's working in this age and the center of all human existence. And it's to wrap up all the ages, spanning from Adam and Eve all the way to the very end. He's going to comprehensively bring everything into Christ Jesus, the Messiah's rule. And you have this summarized in verse 10, to unite all things in him. In our text, when you read through Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, there's an echo in Christ, in him, in him, in Christ, in Messiah, in him, in him. 
You just get this over and over. Everything has meaning in Him. He's the one who gives all of God's plan unity. He's at the center of all. God's design or purpose is to sum up everything in Him. Now let me ask you to turn briefly to Colossians. I'm going to be concluding here soon. Colossians chapter 1. This is a very long passage, but I would like to read it. First, I'll explain it to you. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Now let me explain to you what we're looking at. We're looking at a uh, poetic piece. It has a highly developed structure with a lot of repetition. And it's a very simple outline, though. Original creation, first creation, Christ at the center, new creation. And it's intentional that Christ is in the center of that because he's at the center of the first creation and the new creation. So let me read this text, and I want you to be able to pick this out, okay? So it opens with first creation. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Don't miss that. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. First creation, he created all things. Everything holds together in him. New creation, starting with the cross and his blood, by which he reconciles everything and brings it to its completion. So now in verse 17, in him all things hold together. He's the center of all. This is another place where Paul says basically the same thing that he says in Ephesians 1. Now let's go to Ephesians 1, where I'm going to show you what he says. Now let me read to you uh, a translation where this I try to bring out this idea, so I'm kind of paraphrasing here. So in verse 9, which he purposed in him, God's good pleasure, which he purposed in him for the administration and the fullness of the times to head up all things in the Messiah, things in the heavens and things on earth in him. Now this, this verb to head up It means to summarize, to bring it all together into one. He is the one who makes sense of all creation. He's the one who brings it all to its final purpose to accomplish God's will. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, here it is. 
to summarize all things in your incarnate Son, the Messiah, so that you would bring all things to your glory through him. This is what you keep in mind when you pray. You're dealing with the center of the universe. Yes, the great Father. Yes, the great God. The all-powerful, almighty Father. But he sent his Son as one of us. A human being like us. Who knows the weakness and, and the temptation and the trials of this life. Who came to die for us to give meaning to our lives that it's not a dead end, but has a, a holding out a place before us where we will be raised from this death, the death of this world, the shadow of death we live in. That's not the last of the story. He made this story have meaning now. We have, a, we have somebody in the center of the human story, one of us who gives meaning to it so that he now summarizes all things in him. That's who we come to in Christ Jesus, the great Messiah. He's the one at the right hand of the throne of the Father. You come to the throne of grace. You're coming to him. He's sitting in that little boat being rocked by a storm. The disciples say, don't you care that we're all going to die? And he says, why are you worried, you little faith? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know I hold all creation in my hands? Don't you know the Father has purposed that in me all things will be summarized and held together? All creation, things in heaven and on earth, this age and the world to come, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me? Don't you know who I am? He didn't say it that way. He would have really scared him. But he says it to you so that you will know what a privilege it is to belong as the brother and sister of Jesus. He has shared out his inheritance with us. He's our elder brother. And he has given us all things that he inherits. He inherits everything and he says, come. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take it all. I'm not going to be the elder brother to just take all the inheritance and leave you stranded. No, I'm going to just portion it out with you. Come freely and enjoy the joys that I've purchased for you forever in resurrection glory. That's what he, that's who we're dealing with. The most powerful, gracious center of all things, Jesus, the Messiah. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, we can't even express it. It's too wonderful for us. I put my hand over my mouth, O oh Lord, Things too wonderful for me. You are beyond all thought and comparison that you would have regard for us here on earth. You would look on us with pity, with your great compassion, with your great kindness. Reach down and take notice of us. And that you did. We have a great shepherd, O oh Lord. We have a great elder brother. We have a great Messiah. We praise you in his name. It's all we can do. We do it sincerely, O oh Lord. Help us to know the depth of your love 
and to all of our days, keep our focus upon our elder brother who loved us even to the death, Jesus, the matchless name, Jesus, the one who would save his people from their sins. We pray in his name. Amen.